Hi, this is James Joachim, host of Webcomics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight, it's Where's My Colon? So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. As a lot of people have figured out, I haven't been doing a whole lot of podcasting or blogging for the last couple of months. And yeah, there's been one heck of a good reason for it. And, well, it hasn't exactly been fun, as you can pretty much imagine. The deal is, is that back in November, I was diagnosed with stage 2 colon cancer. Not a whole lot of major nastiness, it's just... A little bit unnerving. So this, of course, meant we had to go through all the rigmarole, basically make sure all the testing, make sure I was good to go, and then actually schedule the operation itself. Let's just say that January 12th, I went under the knife and had to stay in the hospital for about a week or so. And while I was there, it was sort of interesting. The operation itself was a success. They removed 18 inches of colon and install the colostomy bag. Yeah, that's been all sorts of fun, but we're going to put a pin in that. The fun part was is that while it was there, well, there were uh, one or two minor complications. The biggest complication is that for some reason my stomach had filled with a lot of gastric juice. This, of course, meant that they basically had to get rid of all that juice, and the easiest way to do it was to basically, well, put a tube in me. This, of course, meant that the tube had to go through the nose, down the throat, and into the stomach. And, of course, at that point, start suctioning up whatever juice they could find. Yeah, that was a fun encounter. I basically, the nurse showed me the tube, asked if uh, I, you know, basically told me to start gulping when I felt the pressure go. And, uh, hey, do you have a deviated septum? Before I can answer that, yeah, I was pretty much gulping tube. This, of course, went on for a couple of days. The only problem is, is that when you have a tube down your throat, you can't eat. I want you to think about that first. You see, the problem is that before I'd gone into the surgery, the only meal I'd had was what they call a liquid meal. In American hospitals, this basically means that you get a cup of broth, a dish full of jello, a thing of water, and if you're lucky, something like tea or coffee. Unfortunately, last time I'd been in the hospital, I point out I don't exactly do tea or coffee, so all I got was the water, the broth, the jello. And then the next morning, we went into surgery. Then for the next couple of days, like I said, couldn't eat. All I could basically do is basically take the intra- my drugs and the food or the nutrients into an IV that was in my system. Yeah, all sorts of wonderfulness, right? I have all the ice chips I want, and yeah, I took advantage of that one. Unfortunately, that apparently also helped keep up the juices in the system. What this basically translates down to is that between the pain relief that I was getting through the IV, well, here's a fun fact for the day. Sioux warriors, in order to go on a vision quest, have to undergo a four-day cleansing ritual. At the end of the cleansing ritual, they basically see all sorts of visions. Yeah, this means they basically shove you into a cave, close it off, and you don't get food for the next four days. Yeah, you can pretty much see where this one's going. On top of that, because of the colostomy bag, I was starting to develop a serious fear of sleeping. Makes sense. When you have a colostomy bag, the biggest thing is is that basically all that stuff that normally would go to, well, through your system stops at the bag. The problem is that when you're first new to the bag, 
you're basically not really into regulating it, you're more accurately monitoring it, and so it basically tends to overfill. And when a colostomy bag overfills, it's not nice because you've got to deal with all, the, you've got basically an enzyme mess that just went all over your leg and your lower abdomen. Not pretty, not nice. And because of that, I really quickly developed a fear of sleeping. You know, straight up. It's, you sleep for too long, the bag fills up, and it explodes. Not a good thing. So yeah, this meant that over a course of three or four days, I had no food, almost no sleep, and yeah, I was getting pain relief through an IV. I was also getting nutrients through an IV, but the key here is we were doing basically drugs in my system. So yeah, this meant we started seeing all sorts of things, and, well, I think I've established I'm not exactly one of the least creative people in the universe. This, of course, meant that all sorts of things became apparent to me very quickly, um, and it got all sorts of weird. I mean, straight up. Uh, the hospital room I was in all of a sudden started getting a lot weedier, and as the days progressed, more weed showed up, and it became a little bit more, shall we say, natural which was unnerving in and of itself. Um, this also meant that at one point I honestly thought I'd been shifted into a version of the universe that was nothing but repeating gifts. Yeah, that's not exactly one of the most pleasant things. You know, it's really creative, don't get me wrong, but when you're seeing the universe at three to four frames at a time, it can get really weird really quick. You know, I mean, at one point I thought it broke the universe because I thought it recognized the place I was looking at was from a toy. And, yeah, let's just suffice to say that I have a definite new respect for the whole, when you see the hallucinations in TV that look absolutely nothing like reality and people are fooled by them anyway, and you're going, how the heck can that happen? Yeah, I can definitely appreciate that a lot more now. So... This went on for a couple of days until basically the juice had been cleared out of my system and I was finally cleared to actually eat. You know, there was a day or two where it was pretty much a liquid diet, but then I was actually allowed to actually eat, eat. And once that happened, uh, the hallucinations, of course, subsided. Thank goodness. Because I think at one point I was actually being led around the neighborhood um, looking for evil. It, yeah, it was weird. Turns out it was just basically a physical therapy guy leading me around. I could not look at the guy seriously for the next couple of days. At any rate, this of course meant that eventually I graduated from going from the one unit to, which basically was set up specifically for people going through the same thing I was, or other, where basically you needed an intensive care and but it wasn't exactly an ICU you know you basically were fully conscious and you needed the care but you didn't exactly they couldn't exactly put you in a regular room so let's just say with the end of the week I was very happy to be put into a regular room even though that took a couple of days of getting used to as well like I said there was still a little bit of the hallucinations going on. Nothing major at this point, but, you know, yeah, you never want to have a creative person go do hallucinations. Not a good thing. At any rate, 
what this basically means is that for a couple of days, I was basically taught how to actually change the colostomy bag at this point. I mean, they've been showing me a couple of times, but this time we actually got into seriously actually learning how to do it. And yeah, colostomy bag is not a fun thing. Basically, this means I'm going to the bathroom a little bit more often than norm. Um, I'm... Well, it's a little bit nastier to deal with, not only because you basically have this bag that you have to empty and you basically have to get the timing down perfect, or you get stuff all over the place, and, you know, it's just not a really pleasant situation. On top of this, if you don't put the colostomy bag on and of itself the first time, and yeah, I actually had to have a nurse come into the house and actually show me how to do this the first couple of times. So, by the first couple of weeks or so, yeah, I'm still trying to get it down. It's just the colostomy bag is an entirely new level of responsibility, and you have to watch it because if you miss it once and it overfills, well, I've already pointed out that this, you've got all this stuff going, all, you basically have enzymes going all over your skin. I'm not really sure if this counts as a beauty treatment or not, but we're going to hope. At any rate, so once I basically got that down, yeah, I'm still screwing it up. I think my you're supposed to it's supposed to last like about three to five days, and my average is about well two and a half. And I emphasize average, because occasionally what will happen is that well, <laughs> one of the least pleasant things I've ever had to deal with was basically going through six colostomy bags in one day because they kept ruptur rupturing. And this, of course, wasn't exactly a bad rupture in this situation. Because, well, yeah, I know I'm confusing the heck out of this. But, suffice to say, it's been interesting. The other thing that was sort of fun, and here's where it starts really coming back into relevance, is that while it was the first couple of weeks, actually, like the first month or two, I was literally going into the bed and basically just wrapping myself up in a blanket and watching TV, and that was pretty much it. I wasn't even basically going online for, like, the first couple of weeks. It was just, I just had no idea how to basically deal, and it was just easier to retreat. Obviously, eventually, that ended up changing, and, you know, started breaking a little bit out of the shell. The problem is, is that when you basically start or stop doing something you've got to deal with that inertia you know you basically have stopped doing something so all of a sudden you've got this new habit formed where you don't want to really do anything and well it's been a while since i've been you know been trying to break out to you it's been like what almost four months now well, a little shy of four months actually but we'll go with four months just for the sake of argument and I've been trying to break out a little bit here and there, and it's not exactly been ultra successful. You know, like I said, it's taken a little bit longer for me to do it. This isn't to say that I haven't had some really great support. Roommate's been wonderful. Um, one of the pluses is that my sister-in-law, Pam, has basically over the last couple of Christmases, has every time, you know, basically made sure I've had pajamas, sweatpants, something. And... Which has been awesome. Because trust me, I've gone through those things left and right. It's just, 
And on top of that, even when I was in the hospital, Pam was great because she actually managed to bring my laptop in to me, as well as a keyboard for my Pam, for my uh, tablet. So, and of course, my mom's been great, and I mean, she's been slipping me a couple extra bills here and there to make up for the loss in revenue. And on top of that, we've got a friend of the family, Debbie, who's been making me chicken soup. So there's been a lot of support. It's been a lot of really coolness going on all over the place. So, as you can tell, I'm pretty much still breaking through it. Um, the only other fun part is that I've had to deal with chemo and radiation. More accurately, I've had to deal with a little chemo. You see, when you start dealing with cancer, especially when it's, and hopefully, I'm, because it was so light in my case, like I said, it was only stage two. This means that it was pretty much localized and we were able to get pretty much all of it and once fell swoop. However, they still wanted me to undergo chemo and radiation in order to basically make sure. This, of course, meant that, well, we had to go through a couple of weeks of radiation, which basically are five weeks exactly of radiation, 25 days. Go figure. Where basically I'd go into a table, they'd zap it, and uh, 20 minutes later I'd be on my way, merry way. In and of itself, I was lucky. I'm hoping my hyperkinetic actually helped a little bit and gave me a little bit extra boost of energy because apparently I've heard a lot of people tend to slow down. Yeah, I was already slowed down. It's but it wasn't a radiation thing, it was just a inertia thing. And I think I'm actually starting to come out of that inertia a little bit. I also had to deal with chemo. This meant that basically once a week I had to go in, get a chem pack an extra battery, and then I'd basically see him the next week. The fun part about having a chem pack is that, well, you've got to monitor it to a certain degree, just a small degree, because you know three things are going to happen. Tubes are going to get kinked up, with it's going to beep at you, and you've got to basically deal with that really quick if you want to get rid of that. The battery's going to die or start getting weak, and it's going to scream at you, and you've got to change the battery really quick. And you basically also have to carry the bloody thing around. Let's just suffice to say, at the end of the, what, four weeks I had to do with that thing? Yeah, I was really happy to lose that five pounds. So, because the thing, it just would not sit where I wanted it to. It has that strap that basically kept increasing. So basically, every time I'd walk, I'd be able to get like about ten... 15, maybe 20 meters before the thing started falling down because the strap had basically fallen, you know, just basically gotten too loose and fell down. Yeah, I've got a strap that goes all the way around the body with that thing. And if and it's tight, cool. Only problem is, like I said, it basically would get loose and slip down. Yay. So, like I said, I was really happy to see that thing go. At the same time, of course, I got a, the, when that was done, so was the radiation. And that's what we call the small chemo. Starting next week, I have to go in for the big chemo. This means that once every week, I go in, I get strapped in for a couple of hours. And, well, just like with the chemo, I have a, basically a port in my upper right chest, where it basically gets plugged in. More accurately, it's injected in, but yeah. Then there's a tube that basically goes up to 
from my veins, and then goes down from the veins into the heart and dispersed throughout the system. So, I've done a little chemo, now I get to do the big chemo for all of 16 weeks, or more accurately, 8 doses. It's going to come down to, I actually figured out, it's actually going to be 14 weeks. But, complicating the issue is that I've got to do all of this with the colostomy bag. The good news is it's a colostomy bag that is only going to be a temporary thing, and it's only going to, you know, eventually I will get rid of it. It's just basically, I have to go, apparently, two weeks without any drugs, and then another, or more accurately, the chemotherapy drugs, and then it has to be another two weeks before I can go back in. So basically, me and my doctors decided it would just be better to just simply go for three weeks between the little chemo and the big chemo, and deal with it that way. And then at the end, when I'm done with the chemo, we'll be getting rid of the uh, colostomy bag. I hope. Boy, do I hope. Colostomy bags are not fun. This, of course, means that I have to basically talk with two different health providers, or two different um, colostomy supply people, in order to basically make sure I've got all the supplies. It's just occasionally, like I said, you tend to go through them a little bit faster than you're planning to. So if you only had one company, because of the way insurance works, you can only basically go to a particular company once a month. Yeah, it basically means that you're stuck for about a week or so with the possibility of not having a colostomy supply. And trust me, you do not want that to happen. It's gross. It's disgusting. And that's when you have the supplies. I don't want to think about what would happen if I didn't have the supplies on hand. This also means I also have a kit to basically... I put into my bag. One of the cool things is that Hollister, the company that basically does most of the costume supplies, basically does a sampler kit. Yeah, talk about a weird concept. You have a colostomy. We're going to give you a sampler kit. And one of the cool things about this is that it carries a cute little baggie with it that you can actually put in bags to basically, uh, supplies to basically carry with a go. So this, of course, means that I've got my wafers, I've got my pouches, I've got my barrier rings and all that are all ready to go at a moment's notice. And like I said, I've got that in my bag. That's my emergency situation when I'm on the go. And yeah, I've actually had to use it a couple of times. Trust me, you see me going for the bathroom? Get out of my way. But, you know, it's... That's where my health is right now. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I've got full energy. I'm getting, It's just I'm trying to overcome a little bit of an inertia. And I think I'm actually starting to come out of it. So, you, you know, you can expect a lot more out of me over the next couple of weeks. All right. What this basically means, if I can actually start pulling stuff off that I want to, it basically means that, yeah, you're going to start seeing WCRI back up on Thursdays once a week. It's going to be... Some, while before I start doing interviews, but we start to start seeing reviews by the end of the month. Also, you're going to be starting to see a little bit more. Well, yeah, there's going to be no real changes for WCRI, except you're actually going to be seeing it again. This also means that I'm basically taking advantage of the fact that I have a Zazzle shop, and I'll basically be doing some t-shirts for this, for this particular podcast. Also, you're going to start seeing the blogging coming back on, and you're going to be basically seeing a lot more plugs for the Patreon page. Let me put a pin in that one for just a few minutes. 
This also means that you're going to be starting to see the flash briefs a lot more often as well. You know, these are the two-minute things you basically were putting out every day. On top of that, you're also going to be seeing... I'm also going to be getting a little bit more serious about another podcast I started way back when uh, called Waffle House Code Black. Basically, better community through... Or better... Yeah, better community through prep. The basic idea is to look at what would happen if you could do doom prepping, but instead of looking at it as just a person or even a family, what would happen if you could actually get a group of people that were actually in a suburb situation and see if they could team up and what they could do. And I think if you're basically doing a post-apocalyptic situation and you're prepping for it, I think if you get a couple of houses together, you'd have a totally awesome situation. And so basically I'm looking at the tactics, strategy, how to set all that up, and having a little bit of fun with it. The concept, in case you're curious about why it's called Waffle House Code Black, is sort of a really bad joke. Uh, basically back in 2011, the then person, the then head of uh, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, was looking for some sort of informal metric. Basically, he wanted to basically have a way of looking at a community and being able to tell how long the group was going to, how long FEMA had to be there. And they noticed that certain companies, certain, yeah, agencies in that, tended to basically be a little bit better. But you were able to look at those businesses and tell how the community was doing, obviously. Obviously, we're looking at, like, your Lowe's, your Home Depot, you know, your places that basically involve all of your home supplies. But they also noticed that the Waffle House had an interesting situation set up. Read, not only did they occasionally have actual generators you could actually rent for emergency situations, but they also had a way to deal with the menu that, well, if they basically figured it was going to be a situation where they weren't going to be getting in a lot of shipments in, they would actually redo the menu a little bit, so that way they'd basically be able to have the shop open, even if it was a reduced menu. Because of this, he set up the Waffle House metric, or the Waffle House code. Uh, essentially, if it was green, that is, Waffle House was operating as normal, they realized that they could be there for maybe a couple of weeks tops, and that was cool. If, on the other hand, the Waffle House had slipped into its menu, special menu, so to speak, and was actually renting out generators and was, in essence, in emergency mode, well, they realized that they'd have to be there for a couple of months. This was Waffle House Code Yellow. There was also Waffle House Code Red, which basically meant that, yeah, they were going to be there for a long, long time, maybe a year or two. It's just at that point, the Waffle House had been closed up, was not in operations, and obviously the community was pretty much hurting. It was still there, it was just pretty much hurting. Well, I, of course, had to extrapolate into the Waffle House Code Black, which is a post-apocalyptic scenario. Straight up, I'll be going through various different scenarios as the podcast progresses. I'll also be looking at farming, a lot of farming, as well as general tactics for survival. And it should be an interesting podcast. So that's technically giving me three podcasts right there. WCRI, WCRI Flashes, or Flash Briefs, and Waffle House Code Black. I've also debated starting up a fourth podcast, which basically 
would be the movie survival guide. The only MSG you need. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've got to work on the slogan a little bit. The basic idea is that basically it'd be a modified top ten list of how you'd survive certain genre movie genres. You know, if you were put into a certain like a horror movie, a rom com, a sex comedy, action adventure, prison movie, whatever, what would be the top ten things you'd be worrying about when it comes to your survival? And yeah, it's gonna be interesting and you're gonna be seeing that a lot as well. Suffice to say, the Patreon page has been modified a little bit. Well, first off, let me back up to the Zazzle page. With the Zazzle, basically, you're going to be seeing a lot of t-shirts there that are going to be set up for the um, movie survival guide. They're going to have a cute little figure, the logo, and then basically the actual top ten in very abbreviated form. Those shirts are going to be available for sale, and in fact, they already are. So check that out. Don't worry, I'll be putting a lot of these into the show, these links into the show notes. On top of that, I'll basically be developing some merchandise for the other podcasts as well. So far, I've got lanyards for WCRI and Waffle House Code Black. I like them, they're cute, they're lovable, and definitely worth checking out. Also, if you're going to be there anyway, uh, there is, of course, the dreaded Things I'm Not Allowed to Do t-shirt, as well as Dad, or sorry, the, yeah, the Dad, Grandpa, Uncle shirts. The concept behind the DGU was basically, well, Dad's raised kids, Grandpa's teach kids, and Uncle's, they corrupt kids, as in they basically be practical experience in what the other two are talking about. And so there's been a Interesting little shirt line develops for that, even though I probably should go through and redesign the shirts. But the key here is I am working on some WCRI merchandise. You're also going to see some changes over at the Patreon page. Yeah, that's going to be set up as well. It's already been, I've already put in some interesting changes. First off, I now have an actual $20 tier. In essence, all tiers get access to, you know, all tiers get access to a, a, a server that basically we can actually go on and talk and ha- talk about writing or pretty much anything. It, I've set up the Discord server and it sh- just has to basically populate it. Once you start getting the higher tiers, you get things like stickers and you also get slightly more interesting stuff to play around with. If you go with the $20 tier, however, the executive producer, you also manage to get, and you stay there for like about a year, you're also going to basically be picking up some interesting merch. You're going to pick up a mug, you're going to pick up a t-shirt, you're going to pick up a canvas bag, as well as the some interesting stickers that are not available to everybody else. So that's I think, is worth it. And like I said, you're going to be seeing the blog. Also expect to see me start actually producing books on a regular basis. I want to get back into the writing resource guide and actually just have, instead of doing like a serious, you know, where basically you have to worry about all these plots and all that, and basically most people do the writing resource type stuff where it's basically they go through and do all the critiques and all that. I want to start dealing with some of the weirder stuff, like, you know, how to use a whiteboard to take it for full advantage. Because trust me, I'm starting to really love having a whiteboard around, even if it's like, you know, it's just something you basically plot out everything and just basically do like a murder board. And we're going to be looking at other stuff like that. So, 
you're going to be seeing a lot of really good stuff, I think, from basically from me for over the next couple of months. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So, yeah, I'm back. I'm healthy. I'm doing fine. And here's hoping for, another success, for an actual successful year. Talk at you later. Have fun.